Welcome back to Bestowing the Brush, the premier podcast where you learn about art, life, and reach your full potential. <laughs> I'm not very good at improvising, but well, close enough. you did a really funny one before no, we came I, on the air. I don't air. remember exactly okay. what it was. It was, yeah. Okay, here's my version of the intro. Okay. Welcome back to Bestowing the Brush. I'm Dallas Noctegal, and here I am with my husband, Caleb Noctegal. Say hi, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. <laughs> Okay, we have a very ornery person in the hot seat here. Hottie in the hot seat, my husband Caleb. We've been married for 10 years. That was actually one question that we needed to answer is um, our testimonies. And so just right off the bat, like really personal. (laughs) (laughs) Like most children, I was born and then I met Jesus and everything was better. Well, there you no, go. We, yeah, yes. I mean, that we, just wraps it up nicely with a bow. We'll jump into that, like, question four. Yeah, okay. But we will talk about, like, how we got to be, how we got to know each other and the circumstances of how we got married. It's kind of a fun story. And a little background on Caleb. Please tell me why you're on the show today. I am here because my wife dragged me away from work temporarily because I'm trying to be a better husband. <laughs> No, it actually kind of not even true. Well, yeah, I'm forcing myself to be here because I like to work. No, so to give you some background here, I was homeschooled of K through 12. I had one year where I went part time to a public school during my junior year, so I could have some opportunities to do some classes like Spanish and drafting, and there was an an English course I took had some college credit, basically stuff I couldn't do in homeschooling, and so. Graduated, ended up going to college for graphic design and digital imaging. Uh, Most of the way through college, I decided to hedge my bets a little bit on the skill front, taught myself programming, and around the point of graduating a little bit after that, I had been freelancing for a while. I met Dallas towards the end of my college career, and we got married about a year after I graduated. I moved into a career in programming, did that for 10 years on the side trying to start multiple businesses and as of a year and a half ago or so we actually made the jump from being an employed household to a entrepreneurial household so dallas had launched bestowing the brush about a year or so before i went off and launched the manufacturing business that i'm running now and that is the point that we are at here where I am desperately trying to keep a business afloat and grow that and usually working evenings and weekends. And so I decided to take a little bit of a break and be on the podcast. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is so much fun. Uh, is. I Caleb describes it sometimes as jumping off a cliff and then trying to build the aircraft in the air while you're falling. That's what it a business is like <laughs> yes especially a business that you are starting well because i went officially full-time on the business last august which was like at the height of all the pandemic stuff and so it was like a, yeah let's leave a really comfortable programming job with really good pay and benefits and jump off into the world of manufacturing for small markets and yes it has been equivalent to jumping off of a cliff and assembling an airplane while you're falling but it's been fun Many, many opportunities to trust the Lord. Oh, yes. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Mm. (laughs) Okay. We have a question from several people who've asked, what were your favorite 
memories growing up being homeschooled. But I have a guess. Can I guess first? Sure. I have two guesses. Okay. okay. My first guess is getting all your homework done by like 11.30 in the morning to mm-hmm. go fishing. Is that well, right? No, no. Oh, depends on my, the era. Okay. The era. Yes. Okay. Which part so that was like mm, maybe like... That was like 10, 10, 10 to years 14? Old. Uh, 10 to 16, 10 to 17. Okay. So okay. Quick bit of perspective. First half of my life, we lived up here in Omaha, and then we moved down when I was around 9 or 10 years old. We moved down to a small farm on the edge of a small town about 30 miles south of Omaha, and we <clears throat> were there basically until I was in college. And so we had five acres on the edge of town, and off the back of our property, there was a quarry lake that was privately owned that was all stocked with fish and stuff and so we got permission to go back there and so it was a creek on one side the lake on the other and a forest and so being the nature loving child that I was I was always anxious to complete all of my schooling that I needed to so I could go play outside play outside the dream of every Charlotte Mason homeschooler so my second guess was making home movies with your friends <laughs> well, that, because that was we have a we have a canon of films in our family that are the historical documents of your growing up with like your friend group Mm -hmm. and one of them was like orange wall productions was the production company that was the production okay that was the production company essentially my parents got us a video camera when we were like i was like 12 my brother was 10 and or nine whatever and so we made home movies so we would come up with little scripts and we would put together costumes and we would do like action movies and adventure they were all like seven minute long films but yes there's a catalog of 12 or 15 of them that we made that are like the canonical ones a lot of ones that (sighs) me and my brother and our friends group that all like made those movies we still quote them to this day (laughs) my kids do now too yes because we've started showing them to our kids Mm -hmm. and they apparently think that these characters are like known pop culture figures and they're always talking about fat man geese and (laughs) the turbo man and uh, mega man and and i have one child who constantly wants to reassure me that I wasn't scared of that character. That yes. character came on the screen, but I wasn't scared. Yes, our, our youngest daughter is a little apprehensive. <laughs> These are not scary films by any long shot, but she's a little apprehensive about them. While our middle child is like, can we watch the ones with the guns again? Because <laughs> we figured out at some point how to do sound effects dubbed over the top of our video. And oh, so, yeah. Which actually kind of segueing into like favorite memories from being homeschooled. It, I would say one of the more abstract favorite memories was just the flexibility that homeschooling lent to my growing up. So being able to have the free time to once we got done with schooling by like one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, you had more time in the afternoon. And then coupling that with the fact that homeschooling teaches you to learn I was able to figure out how to do a lot of stuff on my own. So making projects, figuring out how to make movies, experimenting, learning, trying things. And so having homeschooling and having that framework of like, you love learning, you experiment, you explore, you try new things and being able to leverage that 
as part of entertainment was it was a really happy memory. There was a lot of projects that I did. I would say <clears throat> it a lot of the favorite memories are largely the abstract memories of just what homeschooling afforded by nature of what it is, the flexibility, the freedom, the emphasis on learning to learn, learning to love learning, and what that unlocked growing up. Yeah. Okay, now your mom mm -hmm. obviously did not homeschool using the Charlotte Mason method. Nope. The sacred cow. <laughs> I don't think I ever even heard that term until no. you discovered it. Okay. I, I mean, it was around back then, but oh, so yeah. a little bit of perspective here. The homeschooling movement started in earnest, like one quote unquote generation before me and so the generation before me like people who now are in their like early to mid 40s like those children homeschooling was actually illegal at that point in a lot of states and so if you were homeschooling you were like under the radar like dodging the authorities level of schooling my generation was the first generation when it started to become more embraced. So you weren't running into legal trouble, but you were doing something that was largely foreign to most people. And it was usually associated with socially reclusive, completely <laughs> socially out of touch families who are like trying to insulate the children from the evil world. And so it was like, there was this assumption that just by being homeschooled, you were like some sort of weird, socially inept freak. And <laughs> 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 call it like you see him <laughs> just saying that that was a very common perception of that right and yeah. I, you compare that to nowadays where you have colleges actively recruiting homeschooling students because they know they do so well I'm like well it's interesting because if you think if you look back on my homeschooling journey towards the front it was there was still a lot of like how do we do this and my mom i mean kudos to her she put in a ton of work on it and like the internet was basically not a thing back then and yeah. so it was a lot of networking with other homeschooling moms thankfully even back then the homeschooling network in Omaha was fairly strong but it was talking to people it was trying things it was looking through rainbow. paper catalogs yes <laughs> rainbow resources yes yep and like trying to figure out curriculum that way and build your own curriculum it was yeah it was a lot of work and so there while charlotte mason existed back then the homeschooling was not as developed as to have like different methodologies it was pretty much just you either homeschooled or you didn't by the time right. i graduated you had things to the point where like there was local community colleges that actually had programs set up where as a homeschool student you could come in as a high schooler and take college classes at the college for high school credit as well as college credit if you paid for the credit hours. You had multiple sports teams. You had all of these other opportunities. Like the, there's a couple of like kind of cooperative schools of sorts in Omaha that I'm drawing a blank on them. The oh yeah, are, like the, the learning center. Yeah, stuff okay. like that. Yeah. So you have all these groups that sprung up, and like now there's a huge support base, and there's a lot more 
flavors of homeschooling. Oh, yes. The flavors. (laughs) Okay. So here's something I'm curious about is what is your response to me doing Charlotte Mason school? And like, how do you see what I'm doing differently compared to your mom? Not in a let's compare mm-hmm. uh, type of thing, but just more like, how do you see the methodology working? And how do you not see it working in our household? Because you've pretty much given me <clears throat> full yeah. reign of here's the homeschooling job. I trust you. I trust yeah. you to make the decisions and, I, and to I do think, a good job. I think and... that's key. Like when we say that, like I've given her full reign, it is from a perspective of I trust you to make a good choice. We will talk about decisions. We will talk about things. But I don't want to sit here and tell you how to do homeschooling. Like I think part of that motivation, at least early on, was especially I wanted to make sure that because homeschooling is very difficult very i mean it's maybe more involved than difficult i mean it is hard but there's a lot of emotional effort there's a lot of physical effort mental effort that goes into homeschooling and because of that i wanted to make sure that you were fully bought in to doing homeschooling and so i didn't want to sit here and be like well the way my mother did it was this way, and so I expect you to do the same thing. Like, I, I wanted you to have your own version of whatever that looked like. And so... Thank you. You're welcome. And so I wanted to be able to let you pick what you wanted. And it was a matter of we, we talked through things, and we had decided, like, hey, what, well, what do you want to do? This looks interesting. Okay, research it tell me a little bit about it does this sound like it's gonna fit our situation and since it looked like it did it's like all right run with it well then as far as what worked what hasn't (laughs) yeah you gotta answer the hard part of the question (laughs) so what's worked i think you you go back and forth between liking having structure (laughs) and not liking having structure i think the structure that charlotte mason affords was especially good early on because of how wide open homeschooling can be since you have everything from like hardcore regimented and I'm, I apologize that I'm probably not getting the terminology correct with this. I'm not as up on all the, the hip flavors of homeschooling of the moment, but stuff like classical conversations and Charlotte Mason being much more prescriptive of like, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do this to the other end of the spectrum, which is unschooling where it's like, oh, you want to go and study dirt for a month. Cool. Little Jimmy, go ahead. Like <laughs> you, you have such a range of different approaches to education. And so, I think the structure that Charlotte Mason affords helped a lot, like I said, especially early on when you're trying to figure out what should I do, how should I do this, it provided a framework to work within. I think as time has gone on, and this has been, this really could be an, its own episode, honestly. I, I know. <laughs> like why did Mason. I even, <laughs> yes. why did I even start out with this question? Yep, like. Yeah, Charlotte Mason, you, you, should you do it? Should you not? What's wrong with it? What's good with it? Uh, in a nutshell, I think my biggest complaint, which has been something we have talked through 
a lot trying to figure out how we're going to handle it. Charlotte Mason is very prescriptive. <laughs> and I think the it airs on the side of being prescriptive and yet idealistic where it's like yes. there is this golden ideal that you are striving towards where your children are going to sit there in their desk with glowing faces and great smiles as they narrate everything they see and everything they experience and they will nature journal it and they will be able to just love learning even my three-year-old who would rather chew on the edge of the couch like i i appreciate the underpinnings of Charlotte Mason, but I think it sets a lot of moms up for frustration when their modern family situation does not fit the ideal that is laid out in the the gospel of Charlotte Mason, if you will. <laughs> like, oh, the, the, the framework that Charlotte Mason provides and the, I mean, in a way, I, I, I say gospel, like, respectfully like a sense of it is an overarching principle by which you lead your me that's more of a theology but like and there are principles mm -hmm. there's like 21 yeah so no big deal <laughs> yes the two tablets <laughs> the two charlotte tablets. mason came down from the <laughs> london clock tower bearing the 21 tenants of charlotte mason <laughs> oh. and so i i think so the balance we have had to strike is where do we follow what Charlotte Mason talks about and where do we realize that we are talking about someone who lived 150 years ago who had a concept of what they thought the ideal education would be but we're talking in a world that was before cars, before cell phones, before the internet, before all of the things that make up modern society. And as much as like everything is new and yet everything is the same, the internet changes communication. Right. Access to entertainment is a complete, like the people of Victorian England would have never imagined that we would have a small square device in our pocket that could literally access the sum of human knowledge with a couple pokes of your finger or feed you a literally endless stream of video for the rest of your life. <laughs> like when you have those kind of realities, when you're sitting here talking about like, hey, your children are going to react this way when they're getting educated and your kids are going to be able to do this and you'll be able to do this thing and this thing and this thing, all this stuff that you can do. You're talking about people that a three mile journey was like a day trip. Like the idea of us going out and needing to run errands or take children to the doctor or regular appointments or sporting events or having a husband that has a commute and comes back or in some people's situations the wife works part-time the husband works full-time like those sort of life constructs do in a lot of ways conflict with some parts of charlotte mason and it creates a it was creating a lot of stress in your life with like why is this not matching up? Charlotte Mason describes this. Why is this not happening? And the conversation that we largely ended up having <clears throat> was, well, there probably are going to be some parts of this that just don't fit. I know 
those who are Charlotte Mason purists would probably push back against that and say that there is a way to fill it. And to be frank, I think there are some people who do have the capability to make it work, but it takes a very specific cocktail of being a high energy, high organization person with children who are relatively inclined to pay attention to things, to be diligent. Like it takes a very specific set of things to make pure Charlotte Mason work without modification in a modern society. I'm not saying Charlotte Mason on the whole doesn't work. It's just to try to be like pure Charlotte Mason is very hard and it was creating a lot of unnecessary stress. And so Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that we have had to do as a couple is decide what are we going to embrace and what are we just going to either modify or in some cases just completely drop as an expectation. Mm-hmm. And so we recently had a conversation of completely redoing the school schedule and simplifying some things and focusing on some stuff that needed to be focused on to keep our kids moving forward academically. And it's like, yeah, we, we take the parts of Charlotte Mason that work for us and then keep the focus on what are the underlying things we are trying to instill in our children. So the idea of like Charlotte Mason talks about laying a feast before your children in terms of knowledge and education and that principle we're keeping. We have library full of books that the kids can read and we don't really do much of anything in terms of like digital entertainment for our kids. We let them play outside as much as we can. So we we keep some of the core tenets of the idea of the focus on narration, Mm -hmm. the idea of shorter lessons, the spread of topics, even though, oh, it's our six year olds. Well, yeah, the six year old is still sitting in on world history and listening to stuff that would typically be a nine or 10 year old's topic Mm -hmm. and so trying to keep some of those underlying principles without it being like the regimented oh by the time they're in form 2b they're doing 27 subjects like it's just oh you you went on the short end oh (laughs) (laughs) i think it's like in the 30s by then i don't know depending on who you ask yeah but that was that was something we talked over was like i just literally had to pull out my binder and be like Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> How are we supposed to do this all? <laughs> I took one look at it and went, you don't. <laughs> this is physically impossible to do. And you are running yourself ragged. And this is just, no. We, but see, we, this is why we complement each other because mm-hmm. I'm plenty idealistic and you're very practical. To a and, fault. And, I, I will, and I will idealistic, admit. though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm an entrepreneur. Like, well, you, yeah. you have to okay. have a risk or a mix of being. We are like, not risk adverse people. We haven't always been. It's it's been over time. Oh, we, we've okay. gotten better at okay. it. I I would say that I was tremendously okay. cautious growing up, but there was a series of life events over the last like four or five years, which has greatly changed my risk aversion. Yes. And yes, yes, we're much more willing to jump into things. Okay. Well, that's fair. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you said that. I hope that encourages some of you out there who um, don't, hey, maybe you're going to turn into a Charlotte Mason inspired homeschooler rather than a purist. And I don't know. I, I go both ways. Like, I really, with all my being, would like to be a purist about it. But that's just my idealism creeping in. That's just my 
well, perfectionism, I think, plays into it. Well, I think there's also a piece of it. But you're, you're realizing like, oh, gosh, this is a really good thing. This is a really, really, really good thing. But as with all good things, you cannot do them perfectly. I think another piece of it that we had talked about a bit was also, okay, I'm not I'm not doing it perfectly. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like there isn't some sort of grand tribunal of Charlotte Mason purists that are going to come to your house and audit how well you're doing Charlotte Mason. It's not like when you grow up, your children are going to sit here and fill out like a customer satisfaction survey. Like how well did you follow the Charlotte Mason methodology? Oh, mother, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give you four stars instead of five because you didn't have me narrate enough, enough in the fourth. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> trimester. Yeah, trimester. <laughs> I'm pregnant with education. <laughs> but, yeah, like, you... I don't mean to say this flippantly, but it really doesn't matter. Like, as long as your children are learning, they're learning to love learning, they're learning how to learn... And your home is at peace with the way that you're handling education. That's really all that matters. Like, I think you said a really important thing there that is not always considered. Mm -hmm. Like the peace in your home. Because if you're constantly arguing with your husband about it, or if he's trying to point things out to you that he sees as a problem. Or if you're getting stressed at your kids and snapping at them because their narrations aren't going as well as you think they should. Or if they're not getting their stuff out quick enough. Like, all these things, you fill in the blank for what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, young kids, old kids, we all have our batch of trials. We all have all of the ancillary things that are going on, too. We've got life things that are happening. We, I mean, we just had COVID this whole worldwide shutdown generically of... speaking there was covid in no no no, no, no. We, we we've been healthy and happy <laughs> we but... didn't get well maybe one of us did we're not sure i can't but... tell if it was a pneumonia or covid or what but anyway <laughs> i what i'm saying is mm-hmm. like crazy world event crazy switching and how everything was online there for a bit and you know that's i know that it just had it's gonna have a ripple effect for a long time and and that's another interesting thing too is that when now when I tell people oh, I homeschool my kids they're like the the immediate reaction is not uh, 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 what do I say yeah. now it's like oh were you a pre COVID homeschooler or a post COVID homeschooler Sonny we were homeschooling before it was cool <laughs> so uh, yeah I'm just but it's more like. That's the conversation opener instead of like, and now I'm going to shoot 15 reasons at you why and justify myself or why we homeschool. And try to explain why our children are not socially inept because that was, (laughs) uh, that was the main thing that I got, that my mom, that my mom got growing up was, wow, your kids are so well adjusted and they speak so well and they're so respectful. But, but. How how do they get social exposure if they're homeschooled? It's like, um, well, here's the thing, sweetie. <laughs> Being homeschooled, we actually get out and be able to go do things, which means technically we're interacting with adults far more than just our peers and able to experience, honestly, quite a bit more varied social situations than the average public schooler. Like, the whole idea that somehow homeschoolers are, like, under-socialized is just dumb. <laughs> because it's patently wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, they they get to be in actual society more often. I think. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ray came into the Instagram live for a second, and so did Linz. Hi, Aww. Linz. Yes. We like you. We like everybody. Hope the bracelet's working out. <laughs> One of the other random skills I have is basic jewelry repair. So ah, yes. Somebody that we know it's. Semi- no, 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 hun. We'd be here all night if you listed all your hobbies. Oh, I'm not going so- into it. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying someone shipped their bracelet to me. I fixed it and sent it back. And so. All right. We are not doing a good job staying on topic. Or maybe we are. Yeah. No, uh, I think this is all stuff we wanted stuff. to talk about. Well, so. it, it, I mean, there's a couple of questions here about how do we like the Charlotte Mason method and stuff like that. So I think. Yeah. Yeah. That well, that's true. It's all a roundabout way of answering that. Okay. Now, I guess along the, this vein, mm-hmm. specifically for dads who are hesitant because dads who are not dads who are not homeschooled so which is most dads Mm -hmm. or public schooled or private schooled or some other learning situation they are pretty hesitant still about homeschooling or they're maybe even critical about it Mm -hmm. or uh just at a base level not very um supportive as they should be i guess what's your nice advice for them that's nice (laughs) <laughs> what's your encouragement just do it <laughs> in seriousness um, so I am not a public schooler so I'm coming at this with a little bit of bias but I'll try to abstract it out so I think as a dad we care about our kids and we care about our kids' education. We care about our children's preparedness for life and future and being able to deal with the realities of existing on this planet. And <clears throat> I know some dads, especially those coming from a public school, are going to be more focused on if they are more sports-minded, are they going to have enough access to intramurals and all the stuff that comes benefits that come with something like that? Or are they going to have access to the same opportunities? Are they going to be as well socialized? Are my children going to be outcasts because they're homeschooled? Is this something that my wife can handle? Because I'm not sure if my wife can handle homeschooling. I don't know if she's going to be prepared enough. She's not a teacher. How are my kids going to get the education they need? And There's a whole host of concerns that could come up. What I would say to that is, honestly, when you boil it down, as a dad, we want our children to be ready to tackle life. And especially as a dad, it is very important that you're preparing both your sons and your daughters for the real world. Giving them, hey, these are the things you need to watch out for. These are the skills you need to have. These are the principles you need to live by. If you're of a particular faith, passing on that faith to your children and teaching them in the theology and the traditions and the ceremony around whatever religion you happen to follow. There is all sorts of things that fall on the shoulders of being a husband and a father. And the thing to understand about homeschooling is homeschooling, as we kind of said before, is less about the exact things that you're learning and more about establishing the principle that I love to learn and I am learning how to learn because homeschooling is a very self-directed thing 
And when you start unpacking that, you start to see that, okay, if we have established a love for learning, we have established a desire to learn, to explore, which means, oh, when a problem comes up, I'm not just going to fold into a pile and be like, well, I can't do it. I'm just going to call a professional. No, it's this is a challenge and I'm going to take it on. You couple that with learning how to learn and you get situations of, oh, well, back when I was 16, I locked my keys out of the car and my dad showed me that you can use a screwdriver to pull the top of the door open a little bit and then fish a coat hanger down and pull the door and pop it open. Or you're talking like, oh, it's, I learned how to learn. And so I'm stuck in my career and I want to go somewhere else. And so having learned how to learn, I can go teach myself the skills that I need to go get a different job. Oh, I learned in homeschooling how to handle debate and reasoning. And I was able to have more opportunities because I was homeschooled. I wasn't stuck in a public school all day long, I had opportunities to go to the courthouse and listen to court proceedings or listen to people talk. And the opportunities and the life skills that you get from homeschooling do a far better job of setting your children up for success in the real world than public schooling does. Because public schooling, in a lot of ways, does create a bit of a... I don't necessarily want to say like a false reality, but it creates a bit of a protected environment. Contrived slash yeah, I, I'm sterile? Kind maybe? of. I mean, it, it it's an artificial microcosm of the real world because the stuff yeah. that matters within the walls of a public school in a lot of ways ceases to exist as soon as you leave. You can go through public school and be an unpopular kid who gets picked on literally because of something as stupid as oh one of your nostrils is slightly larger than the other get picked on get convinced that you're a useless individual because people are picking on some little thing that you do or don't do you get all these self-esteem issues because of that you're convinced wholly that you are not an important person. You get convinced that, oh, you have to be beautiful and you have to be popular and you have to do sports and all this. And then you leave and get plopped into the real world. And suddenly you realize that people could care less about what your face looks like and could care less if you played sports and really don't care about you in general. Mm-hmm. And you also get, you're in an environment where you're handed everything. Like I, the year that yeah. I was in public school, I can remember laughing because one of the math classes I took, it was a geometry class. It was, it was, I mean, it was pretty simple stuff, but I remember getting really, really good grades. And there was other kids who were like, how are you doing so well? And I was like, because I do my homework and turn it in on time. Like, what you're supposed to do. And they were just shocked at that because a lot of them didn't. And just the, and it was also a matter of so much of public schooling. They hand you everything. They tell you what your lessons are. They tell you what you should study. If you fall behind, oh, it's coddling. And like homeschooling tends to be tossing you in the deep end. You get some swimming lessons for the first few years. And then it's a, all right, here's a book go to pages six through 12 and come back to me when you're done. Mm -hmm. And then you get into high school and that's literally, here's the book. Here's how far you need to get. I mean, there's, there, there's checkpoint. I'm I'm kind of 
hyperbolically simplifying it here. Yeah. But. Well, I think one of the major differences being that oftentimes parents are in a good way harder on their kids mm-hmm. than, yeah, a whole fleet of teachers because who are they answering com- to? They're answering public school to... is lowest common denominator too. They're going to cater it to the the yeah. lowest common denominator of the class to keep everybody moving. That's true. Yeah. This episode of Bestowing the Brush is brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> if you need an all-in-one website builder, use Squarespace with their full-service e-commerce solution and dynamic templates designed by professional designers. You can have a fabulous website with only 12 clicks. Join now for 10% off using the code Bestowing the Brush doesn't give a care. <laughs> we use Squarespace. Don't be don't be <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored by Squarespace. (laughs) So the next question you have on here is, how have you survived in the world with an art degree? But I think it dovetails nicely with the last question because you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Mm -hmm. with homeschooling, it's a little more self-directed. It's self-education. You're not being coddled by a team of teachers that, don't really have that much vested interest in in mm-hmm. in so much there that are exceptions they, i'm saying there are great teachers i had so many great teachers in school mm-hmm. i went to a fairly good public school so thank you everyone for that if mm-hmm. you're listening yes I, I would like to caveat just because we are not public school bashers no we and... have a lot of friends who are who have their kids in public school we are friends with them. We do not shun them. We do not isolate from people like that mm-hmm. either. We want people like that in our lives well, because it sheds perspective. <laughs> Stop it. No, little Johnny, you cannot hang out with Billy. Billy was public schooled. <laughs> you can feel the aura of evil around him. Stop it. People <laughs> no, may I, not realize you're being hyperbolic. I, I do want to caveat that, yes, they're... There is a time and a place for public school. And I will say, there are some children that do not do well with public or with homeschooling. I don't think there's many, but there are some children that do thrive in the structure that public school provides. Um, I actually, one of my best friends growing up, he, brilliant dude, uh, he's... one of my best friends, he runs a business as well, has a family with a bunch of kids. Like he and I have been tight for twenty something no, like twenty five years or something. Nate. Mm-hmm. Like Shout out to Amy. Yes. I think she listens sometimes. Hi. Hello. So Nate growing up, <clears throat> like we were both homeschooled in our respective homes and Nate had the opportunity when he was he was either junior high or high school to go to the local high school part-time and prior to that he had had a lot of friction with trying to concentrate on school and was was doing okay but was having some problems with being able to stay on task and such and it turned out his mom decided to put him into public school as a part-time thing so he would homeschool half the time and go to public school half the time which also gave him access to things like track and he thrived in that and he did really well. He excelled in doing track. He had opportunities to do some like architecture classes and drafting classes. And the additional structure provided by public school ended up being really beneficial to him. And 
he came out the other side of it and I I mean, Nate, you can correct me on this if you're wrong, if I'm wrong. <laughs> but it, it very much seemed like it was beneficial. And I have I've seen this from some other families that I've known growing up over the years that occasionally they would have like one of their kids that just was not well suited for the slightly more free form ethos of homeschooling. And they needed a large group of their peers with a structure of go to a place, sit in a desk, engage with the teacher, and do a thing. And it is certainly possible to excel in public school. If you go to a decent school, you will have opportunities. And if you have good teachers who can pick up on the fact that you are applying yourself, your children can go very far. And if you have a child or even all of your children that you're trying to homeschool is just not working, and you end up putting them into a private school or public school, you haven't failed. It's okay. Like, the goal here is to educate your children. It is, I would argue, slightly more work to have your kids in public school because then you have to have you have to have to a lot more contact with your kids. You need to stay on top of, like, what are they learning? What are they experiencing? You have to have good communication with your kids because they're going to experience stuff in public school they would not experience in homeschooling. So I think there's more parenting overhead, but... It is certainly a valid way to educate your kids, and it is not an indication of your failure if that ends up being the route that you go. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. Which I think also tends to be even an overarching principle, which we kind of touched on a little bit before. The goal here is to love, to nurture, and to educate your kids. And your job is to do that to the best of your ability, to the best of their potential, whatever that looks like. Whether it's homeschooling, unschooling, public schooling, private schooling, you need to do what is best for your kids and what is best for your family. Mm -hmm. Don't let public school or Charlotte Mason get in the way of you homeschooling your kids. There you go. Or schooling your kids. (laughs) <laughs> of course public of course public school is going to get in the way of you homeschooling your kids. Yes, educating uh, your of educating your children because mm-hmm. I think ultimately yeah, that's that's the one thing we are told in scripture is that you should educate your kids the way you see best. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say with the Charlotte Mason method. It doesn't say by letting them go frolic Third in the prairie. Hezekiah 16:4. Thou shalt <laughs> use the Charlotte Mason method to educate thy children or thou art a sinner. <laughs> but it can get to feeling that way. Yeah. It can get to feeling that way because it is mm-hmm. a list of rules to follow. Whether you call them principles, it's law. They're more it of is, guidelines. They're more guidelines. But yeah, you're right. It, it provides law. a structure that it's easy to get lost in that. Yes. To the point of like, I have to follow the entire structure. I'm not doing it right. Right. Which, that's a trap. I think that's mm-hmm. a total trap. So if you're going into it new and fresh and you don't have experience yet it's going to fail you the the system the method whatever you're using it's going to fail you because you're imperfect Mm -hmm. you're not going to do it perfectly your children are not perfect they're not going to comply perfectly things are not going to go your way probably or they could go great Mm -hmm. and everything could be fine but just prepare that you have not been promised like a perfect education Yes. Whoever has told you that that's the case. Mm-hmm. So the question is. Answer that one. <laughs> the one about the art 
degree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you touched on it. Okay. So you touched on it a bit, but it was a very subtle thing. All right. I'll wrap back around and actually answer the Okay. Yes. How have you survived in the world with an art degree? Um, I'll go with a serious answer for this. (laughs) So in college, I started with thinking that I was going to do a engineering degree or an architecture degree. I was considering both. And I, despite being homeschooled, did not have a very high level of math skill. And I had gotten into college with a full-ride scholarship that depended on my maintaining a certain GPA. And so I jumped into college, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and started my first semester of classes, including, like, calculus and chemistry and all these other classes, and did not do so hot. (laughs) Like, homeschooling does not guarantee success, but getting into it, I had classes, I was, I was not prepared for the level of work that I was going to need to expend for the classes I had chosen, and so, getting, what? Like, you mean, like, the core, like, the course load was too much? A combination of course load and topic, like, I mean, the math class, this is college level stuff that- Okay. Well, that and the chemistry class I had, the professor I had was, he was one of those dudes that was clearly a very skilled chemist with very little people skills and was extremely picky, which frankly makes sense from a perspective like chemistry, you need to be very precise. If you're wrong, like Mm -hmm. there are serious consequences potentially, but for a whole bunch of bright eyed freshmen trying to figure things out, I mean... My friend, Nate, that we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. had the same class with a different teacher, and he was excelling, and I was just absolutely struggling. And so at the- Ken? Yes, it was Ken's stress. So after that really hard semester, to save my GPA, I pulled back. I went to basically an undeclared major, so I didn't have any specific gen eds I had to take, and I just started taking courses that were going to be applicable to a range of degrees I was interested in. Oh, okay. okay. And so I spent two years- just taking gen eds english classes and science classes and i think a math class and about halfway through i had decided all right i think we're going to go ahead and go for a graphic design degree so it it was a bachelor's degree of art with a focus in what they called electronic imaging so it was 3d modeling and hand drawing and multimedia and printmaking and sculpture. And it was experience a bunch of different things, but specifically there was a focus on computer stuff, which is important for the answer of this question. (laughs) So I didn't, I didn't have a traditional art degree, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the classes I had were teaching things like composition and form and color and specific software, design thinking, um, getting exposure to, 3D software for doing 3D modeling and animation. Um, I took a game design class, which was a really interesting class, learning like game design and game mechanics and how to make a game that is interesting and understanding how people interact with games. And so I was able to experience, again, flavor of homeschooling, I was able to experience a lot of different flavors of design. But in the middle of all that, I also started teaching myself programming because I was seeing that 
websites were becoming more and more and more prevalent. More places were redesigning their websites from the late 90s and trying to update things. You and saw that in school? Or was that after school that you learned coding? I thought it was just after you graduated. Oh, no, no. I started teaching myself programming during like the last year of college. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because essentially, I was sitting there looking at my career trajectory going, all right, I'm learning design, I'm learning drawing, all this. Great. When it comes to careers, if you're going to be successful in a monetary sense in art or graphic design, you either have to be really, really good or really, really lucky. And since I was not sure if I was going to be able to attain either of those, <laughs> I decided to hedge my bets by starting to learn programming because I was seeing that... Mm -hmm. Within programming, you've got both making computer programs like Microsoft Word or something, but then there's also programming that was like website design. So it's doing visual programming. You're coding a website page, structuring it, you're adding interactive elements to it. And so it was a natural progression from art to add programming to it, which ended up being a really smart decision because once I got out of college, I was able to freelance for about a year out of college doing uh, web design and such, and then ended up getting a job at a company doing a combination of their marketing design work and their website. And then from there moved further and further and further into programming, which by the time I ended up exiting that world, I was working at a medical software company doing like database work and server work and like all this really hefty programming. In the period of 10 years. Yes. Over right? the course of 10 years. Okay. But how did I survive in the world of an art degree? I used the art degree to hone a set of skills and a set of experiences that I could attach a marketable technical skill to. And then the combination of those two ended up creating a very valuable set of skills that I could leverage into a job. So a lot, especially back then, you were either a designer or a programmer, and it was kind of rare to have somebody that could do both. And by the time I was five or six years into my career, I could sit down with a client, talk through what they wanted, do sketches, figure out what they wanted their website to look at, do all of the mock-ups, get a design put together, have them approve it, and then go over to my programming software and turn that entire design into code, get it on the server, get it functioning. At like, it's it's referred to partially as full stack developer but it was also very much an end-to-end skill set and so being able to do that made me very versatile and gave me a lot of opportunities and i mean all that programming stuff was self-taught that was literally blog articles and youtube videos and just studying i didn't go to any actual paid classes to learn how to program but having mm -hmm. learned how to learn but on the job training uh, too didn't oh, you have a couple of mentors? Uh, I had some on the job training, okay. but it was also okay. a lot of just learning it on my own and then applying that to my job. It's I remember you would get a ticket and they'd be like, what happened here in the code? And you'd be like, uh, I'll just consult YouTube real quick and figure it out. Or oh, University yeah. of Google. I'm going to just literally search for the problem and find the answer. There's a website called Stack Overflow, which is a like, Q&A website for programmers where people, where people will ask programming questions and other programmers will answer it and then the answers stay out there. So you can okay. search for like, oh, how do I put together a looping function in JavaScript that will go through a set of data and identify whether or not the color is red or blue? And people will ask these questions. 
the dirty secret within the programming world is everybody uses that website. Even programmers who have done <laughs> doing it for 30 or 40 years will use Stack Overflow to find answers. And then oftentimes we'll copy paste the code from that site mm-hmm. into production and then just modify it to make it work good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying having been a programmer how many websites are like <laughs> literally duct tape and bailing wire. Even like really critical software like the stuff that handles like the driver's license databases and oh, medical no. software and like... Yeah, yeah, you, you don't become a programmer. It, the entire or world do just scares you. And use that website. Yeah. yeah. But yes, that's how. So it okay. was taking a skill set that I learned in college okay. and applying the skills I learned in homeschooling to expand that with other technical skills, which then gave me a marketable set of. I do think it's a very valuable skill to be able to sketch out someone's idea for mm-hmm. them. Like, if you do nothing else in your life, still learn drawing because mm-hmm. yeah visual you, communication you, it's visual communication you will be able to take people's ideas or yes. what you think they're saying put it on paper and then they can tell you yes or no mm-hmm. or yeah i like these lines here even if they don't have the vocabulary for it you can kind of educate them and come alongside them and you guys can collaborate and come to well even if you're a, a decision explaining like information the ability to oh, just yeah. diagram something like okay Here's this set of data over there, part of the whiteboard. Here's this set of data and be able to draw lines and make connections. Like to be able to take an abstract concept in your head and get it physically into the real world with a pen or a pencil or Sharpie or dry erase marker, like that's valuable. And I think like your drawing is more technical. Very. (laughs) Very technical. I wish that was one thing we noticed when we started dating was. Oh, hang on. You have an art degree, and I have an art degree, and that does not mean the same thing. No, it does not. (laughs) I got mine from the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, Mm -hmm. and you got yours from the University of Nebraska at Omaha. In combination with Metropolitan Community College. Yes, with Metro Community College. Yes. So. Our special. (laughs) Atlantic Community College. No. But, like, yes, because you put the digital imaging... Mm -hmm spin in tears like it wasn't a fine i ran degree. far away from that i was like heck no i do not want to be in front of a computer whereas i was like heck yes <laughs> give me those pixels give uh, me the warm glow of the monitor <laughs> as you guys know from my wacky trials in yes. editing <laughs> videos if you follow me on instagram that's a common thread Mm-hmm. In the stories is why why is editing so hard? Okay, but anyway, but where'd you learn that skill from? But I learned it from my husband. Oh yeah, <laughs> he taught me Adobe Premiere Pro. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even like nope. go from iMovie. I you, didn't. And you picked it up pretty quick. Okay, yeah. if you say so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I do have a show choir background, so I feel like that gives me a lot of audio visual knowledge (laughs) sure (laughs) no i've recorded some music it was just like very little 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 stuff but i do remember somebody kind of showing me their editing program once and i was like oh this is so cool the sound bumps you change the sound bumps and then you make new sounds oh it was fun but Mm -hmm. anyway it's like its own art so I think that was another thing I wanted to say is that kind of every discipline is its own art. Mm-hmm. You can, I think you can t- t- to a certain point decide 
how good you're going to be at something if you realize this is a skill and this is really an art form and I can use all of my existing knowledge and apply it to this new skill and make it something totally different. Mm -hmm. And that's what Caleb did was that he took his design knowledge and he took it and meshed it with coding and then it wasn't it wasn't very common here in Omaha, Nebraska, at least, to have somebody who was really good at the back end and good at the front end design. Back end being UI, like the UX. server stuff that handles the databases and front end being the actual website you see and interact with. Yeah. yeah. So you had both of yep. those knowledge bases yep. and then you were able to like pitch that to people mm -hmm. that you wanted to work for and say, look, I can do both of these things, or at least I could communicate one, with one part of the team pretty well yeah. to get what you want to see or vice versa. So yes, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. The world is your oyster. <laughs> is that even the real phrase? I keep saying that. The world is your I... oyster. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. Okay. Good. <laughs> yes. Marsha Madden wants to know if you can come play at their house. Define play with Lego music. Lego, probably. Like, <clears throat> Her oh. boys really like Lego. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> again, the random set of skills that I have attained, uh, we decided to up the uh, the constructive play in our household. And so we invested in a whole bunch of bulk Lego from eBay. Because it turns out you can buy Lego, like, literally by the pound on eBay from people who like buy people's old collections of Lego. So we did that, but then we also, well, I designed and built a Lego table for them. So it's like a three and a half by eight foot table that has a like a 15 inch wide bin on either end to hold Lego. And then we bought a whole bunch of interlocking Lego tiles that we attached to the surface of it. So it's like a, a basically a three foot by six foot, like the size of a twin bed. That's just all Lego studs to play with and then there's like bins on the sides and everything and so we've got that sitting in our living room for the kids to play with and it shows up periodically in videos mm -hmm. you're drinking on the drink here <laughs> keeps going empty it's good yes, I you keep drinking. i'm sorry <laughs> one fine. flesh and that's where we stopped for today Thanks for tuning in to listen to my husband and I talk. It was really fun to record this episode and we have more for you next week because we kept rolling and we answered that fourth question of what our testimonies were, our love story, how we got to know each other. It's good and it's honestly kind of making me choke up a little bit as I edit it. It's just, oh, it's just good to remember your story once in a while and it was a good reminder of our love for each other. So before I get all ushy-gushy on you, uh, go to bestowingthebrush.com, check out my courses, go get on my newsletter because newsletter people get all the best deals. It's called the Brush Club Newsletter. On the front page of my website, just scroll down, put your email in the box. And always there is Instagram. And I will see you later. Hope you have a happy Halloween. See you next week. Bye.